0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for everyone. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Joining me this week is Tariq Ergen, um, lacrosse coach, Oak Park High School a person that's been involved in the sport of lacrosse for probably the better part of I want to say 40 years, but knowing that you're well over 50, I, I may want to say 50 years. How long's it been? Uh
1: let's see, 48 years.
0: 40, so we're close. And yeah. you grew up on the East Coast, specifically where?
1: Uh well, that you know that this is a am loath to give away my secrets here because I have uh various sources have me being born in various different places. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the tri-state area, shall we say. Yeah, Connecticut and Massachusetts. There you go. And and you got obviously lacrosse is is very big out there.
1: Did you just get into it because it was the thing to do? No. Actually, I got into it interestingly enough. My I was the the third youngest, third in line in my, in my family. My sister was about two and a half years older than me. My brother about eight, about a year and a half. And, um, and my sister had a boyfriend when she was in high school. So I was still in fifth or sixth grade who was uh, on the varsity lacrosse team at, at the prep school that we all went to. And, um, I had never heard of lacrosse before. I was a baseball player. And, uh, I loved baseball and I still do, but, uh, in any, any event, I, uh, started going to, to lacrosse games for the first time in my life and really like looked up to this guy who was a face-off midfielder on, on this really good, uh, new England lacrosse team. And they won, I don't, I don't even remember seeing them lose. I'm sure they did. Um, and he gave me a broken wooden stick that he had in his garage. And I started playing by myself in the backyard and I just fell in love with the games, so watching him play and idolizing him and wanting to be like him. And uh, then I, you know, I tried to play town baseball as long as I could and I played till I was 14, but eventually I had to pick one or the other. And I went with lacrosse for one reason. I liked being a catcher or playing first base or pitching, and I was getting because I'm a lefty, they wouldn't let me catch, and uh, so playing in the outfield, I thought, just thought, ah, this isn't for me anymore. And lacrosse, you're always involved on the field in the game, even if you don't have the ball, even if you know you. I mean, if you think about lacrosse, and this is you know from a coach's point of view, I I, I try to tell my guys this: it's like. I think statistically it's been broken down in an average game. If you're on the field a lot, 93% of the time you don't have the ball. So how do you, you know, then this is the key for young players. How do you make an impact without having the ball? Because if you can, if you can figure that out, you're going to be a great player.
0: And, And that's, I think that's with a lot of sports like soccer or basketball and lacrosse. And so you play high school, you find your way to Cornell playing for legendary Richie Moran. What was that like? How much fun was that playing for a big time guy?
1: Well, it's it's a process. And he is an incredible human being. And I, you know, the first college, well, yeah, the first. No, the second college game I ever went to was the 1978 national championship game at Rutgers university between Cornell and Johns Hopkins and Cornell had run, had a winning streak of 42 straight games, uh, and Hopkins won the game. So I won't, I won't try and drag that out. But, uh, those seniors that graduated after that game, that was the only game they ever lost in college. And they had won two straight national championships at that point. Cornell in, in 1976, the national championship game uh, between Maryland and Cornell was the first ever televised lacrosse event. And it was shown on ABC Wide World of Sports, and it was truncated to the point where they edited out everything, so it was literally one hour. Um, but it was an overtime game. It was an incredible game. And, and I, I saw people like Mike French and Eamon McEnany and John Levine, you know, for Cornell and Frank Urso, And uh, I, I, I think Doug Radabaugh had graduated by that point, but they, they just had some incredible players on the field and Urso was, was amazing. just an amazing player, uh, from Maryland. And, uh, <clears throat> So anyway, I went to the game with my father in in New Jersey, and unfortunately watched Cornell lose, but I had read articles about Richie Moran, and when I heard, you know, the funny thing was, I never realized in high school that Lacrosse could help me get into college. You know, I'd received some letters, and you know, Richie Moran was the first coach to write me. It was literally a couple of months after after that game and I couldn't believe that this program what this you know perennial national championship program was interested in me as a lacrosse player um so that was that was pretty much my first choice
0: and it was a handwritten letter it wasn't done on a stone tablet because you're that old no yeah it was
1: it was in uh Assyrian <laughs> ruins uh no um so uh no it was it was typewritten but richie has this thing he does and i he still does it to this day anytime a letter goes out that's typewritten he writes a, a handwritten note at the bottom of it and uh you know it's those little things that you don't realize at the time but they make such a difference And they make an impact on you and they make an impact on kids today still, I think. Oh, you know, we can get into uh, the inability, you know, to text your players these days. We're not allowed to text our players. And, you know, I always had this this thing I did. Uh, If it was a holiday, I would text every kid on my team, you know, a little meme or, you know, happy whatever, merry whatever. Uh, you know, just, and uh, I never thought anything of it. It was just, it was an easy thing to do with your phone. Uh, right. I come to find out that that meant an awful lot to these kids and now we're not allowed to do that.
0: Yeah. But they want us to build relationships with kids, but don't communicate with them. It's crazy.
1: You can't it's impossible. It is literally impossible to coach effectively. And I'm and probably teach too, you know, yeah, when you can't reach out to a kid that's having moments you know that need that just knowing that there's somebody there makes it makes all the difference or or, yeah you know in my case if they're struggling on the field I, i i've always made a practice of when i find video clips that can help a kid see the see the field from the other angle and how it's done properly and i send that video clip i can't do that anymore yeah and there you know it's it's all because because of lawyers, probably. They just want Yeah, and people that have done dumb things with it. Cover their life. Sure. Well, they have, but you know, do your due diligence. Research your people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Find yeah. <laughs> out So how'd you come to California and how did you get involved with lacrosse out here?
1: Uh, well, actually when I was 30 years old, I, so, you know, still in my mind, a young man, but I guess if you're a teenager, that's an old guy. Uh, right. I'm, I moved to California to go to business school at Pepperdine and I thought that was the end of my playing days. I thought I was done with lacrosse. I didn't want to be, but you know, life, you got to move on. And, uh, but I was still an athlete and still in shape. And I was jogging around the Pepperdine campus one day. Um, and when I got to the the field that's on campus there, uh, I saw these kids playing lacrosse on the field and, you know, look like Pepperdine colors. And they were practicing. And so I just went over to the fence that's, you know, circum... Uh, well, I can't even think of the word... Uh, that surrounds the 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 track and i was just standing there watching them practice they had about 15 kids 16 you know it wasn't a big team and one of the kids runs over to me and he starts talking to me and he says you you play lacrosse and i smiled and i said yeah i do and he goes you want to play for us and i, <laughs> I said uh, well i had actually played on the pepperdine hockey team it was a club team and I was a grad student. I was eligible and I had not used any hockey eligibility. So uh, I had I smiled and I said to him, well, I think my eligibility is probably gone. And he said, without missing a beat, he goes, you want to coach? <laughs> 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 and so next thing I know, I'm an assistant coach for the Pepperdine lacrosse team and Uh, A couple of years later, the head coach moved to Colorado and and they asked me to be the head coach. So that's how I started it, 1990. And the game has grown so
0: much out here. You know, what do you attribute that to? Because I've seen it as well. I mean, we played played together club ball for a lot of years, many years ago. And very rarely would you see a high school team with a, or a high school with a team or, you know, kids out in a park throwing the, the ball around.
1: What do you attribute the growth of the sport to? Well, several factors. And not all of them are, are flattering. But uh, to, to us as, as Americans or as people. Uh, but uh, one is it's just a great game. And, yeah, You know, it's like I said, when I was 14, I had to decide. And in lacrosse, you're always involved in the game. And in baseball, you not they may not hit it to right field, you know, but twice in a game. Uh, or twice uh, in two games. Yeah. So, you know, that's that was one day. And when I, you know, they said, sorry, you can't be a catcher anymore. You know, if you're a catcher, you're involved in every pitch. So, uh, you know, that I really loved. Plus, I love the tools of ignorance. Something, yeah. Something about, you know, putting on the pads that just got my blood flowing. And uh anyway, so that I think is a big part. I think another part is you know, soccer came to this country really when I was in high school, maybe a little bit before, on any any kind of level, but it, it was always a second tier sport. And I think over the decades People just keep pushing their kids into soccer. Well, first of all, when you're six or seven years old, that's a great game to play. Because
0: everybody's running around. It's fun. You're six years old. You don't even know if you touched the ball, but you ran
1: around and you got a snack after the game. It was awesome. Exactly. Um, But I think a lot of people push their kids into soccer because it's safer. And I think on some level, there's still a desire to play contact sports. Uh, this you know, the gladiator mentality that, that is, you know, almost genetically, well, it is, it's biologically, you know, an biological imperative in the male of the species so on some level. Not I'm not saying, you know, everybody's a warrior or anything like that, but, uh, so, the, you know, having contact, but not needing to be 6'4", 230 pounds to survive makes, I think, that right. makes like, it football, like a football player. Exactly. Um, and, you know, now they're, because of concussion protocols and everything, they're taking a lot of the, what was a normal hit 30, 40 years ago, you know, is now a crime against humanity. Right, it's it's a three minute unreleasable so, penalty. So I, 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 and I understand that. Uh, I think it's, I think there's a certain element of toughness that is should be required in order to be successful in this game. But I've also played with kids, you know, at the top levels that were five six five, seven, five, eight, you know, 160 pounds and lightning quick. So they could avoid the hits. And that was the other thing also is as much as those hits were legal, they weren't terribly frequent back in the day because you knew it was a possibility and you were coached and you learned how to protect yourself, which unfortunately, when, when you turn it over to the rules, people that, you know, to protect the kids, the kids don't learn to do it themselves. And I think they open themselves up for a lot more, you know, more dire effects of, actual, of when that penalty does occur.
0: And I, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when we look back when we played and those god awful helmets that we used. We learned to hit with our shoulders. I think now that kids with these safer helmets and safer equipment, sometimes they lead a little bit more with the head. And with the size and speed of the athlete today, which is much bigger and faster than us, it becomes more dangerous.
1: Well, speak for yourself. I was, I was a lot bigger than most of the lacrosse players back in those days.
0: And probably much faster as
1: well. Uh, you know, I had, I had a quick – my first three steps were always quick. I, w- I didn't have the top end of a lot of guys. And, you know, the Titanic saw the iceberg a mile away. Right. right? <laughs> you know, the bigger you are, the harder, you know, if you're, if you're trying to play defense against a guy who's 5'7", 160, and he changes direction, it, it, you better know what you're doing. You're not going to be able to keep up with him.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Um. So what takes you out to Oak Park? How would you get to Oak Park? Because I know you've been involved with the
1: game. You find your way to Oak Park. How long have you been there? Uh, this is—I believe we're, we've had some debate on this because we're not entirely certain. We think it's our fifteenth year.
0: Okay. And how did you find Oak Park High School from
1: where you live in North Hollywood? Well, I got fired. Okay. <laughs> I guess I fire. I was an assistant coach at Crespi, and you know, back then Crespi, it was like. Just became a, you know, teams had just started to be a CIF, quote unquote, team back in those days. Um, so I was in the, I had coached in club leagues. Uh, I Well, I coached it, uh, you know, I did, I coached at Whittier in 2000. And I had coached with uh, Scott Hochstad had started the Stars League four or five, six years earlier than that. And I had been coaching in the Stars League. So I had known a number of parents and kids uh, developing at the high school level, even though all these high schools only had club teams. Well, in 2001, 2, something like that, uh, some, a handful of teams in Los Angeles became CIF teams. And Oak Park was, you know, and the teams out in Conejo Valley were, and North were still club teams. So uh, I had coached for the Hollywood Stars, and uh, John Oswax had been my assistant. Well, he had gotten a head coaching job at, at Crespi, and he, call, he called me up because I was no longer with Whittier, and he asked me if I wanted to be his assistant. And I said, sure, because we had a good working relationship. And I didn't really want to be a high school head coach because I thought it was a lot more work for very little extra money. So I was happy to be the assistant and uh, for reasons that have never been, you know, I've heard different stories, but eventually I was, I was after about two or three years, I think it was three years at uh, Crespi. I was fired because, uh, well, I don't even want to say because, because I've heard several different, different explanations, but anyway, I was cut loose and it was just at that time when Mike McGovern had been coaching the Oak Park Club team, and he was because of his work situation and family situation, he had to stop coaching. The so I got a I was talking to um, Leon Bennett, who I had coached. I had coached his son with the Hollywood Stars. And he said, we don't have a coach. Do you want want a coach? And I said, what do you mean you don't have a coach? Because they'd already played two two games or something like that. And uh, he said, well, we have a coach, but he's never coached lacrosse before. He doesn't know what he's doing, and he's looking for somebody who does. So I actually came into Oak Park as an assistant coach. You know, it was about five days after I left, after I was out of Crespi. So I didn't have a lot of downtime. And uh, I I went to go see uh, the game, the last game they played before I came on. I watched the game. It was at Chaminade High School. And and I watched the team and made my observations and then met with the head coach and the athletic director and came into the fray, did all the red tape that you have to do, you know, for – California schools and uh, started coaching. So my my assistant coach actually was hired a week before I was. Wow. Yeah.
0: And, and you've done such a great job out there. So your experience, you play for Richie Moran, you play at Pepperdine, you coach at Whittier, you coach at Cresby. What did you learn about building a program and establishing a culture from all of those guys
1: that you used right away and that you still use today? Well, I think the establishing the culture that I still used to, I mean, so much of everything I say is, is I learned from Richie Moran, you know, and, and by the way, I had an amazing high school, well, two amazing high school coaches, uh, when I was at Kingswood Oxford and, uh, Stu Lindsay, you know, he, he's in the hall of, he was my high school varsity coach. He's in the Hall of – the National Hall of Fame both as a player and as a coach, and Richie is in the Hall of Fame as a coach. And, uh, you know, so I, I played for two Hall of Famers who, who were still – you know, they didn't hadn't retired and gotten into the Hall of Fame. They were already in the Hall of Fame and still coaching. And, you know, I feel bad for these kids because I, I played for these Hall of Famers and these poor Sons of Guns have to have to deal with me, <laughs>
0: right? And they play for just a, a dad who'd seen the game on TV and thought you go around and catch butterflies with that net. But you're also in a Hall of Fame, correct? I am now. You, you that now? <laughs> uh, how's the game changed since you played oh. and since you've been involved?
1: Well. It sounds almost, uh, you know, I sound like a typical old guy. It it was a tough game. It was, it was a more physical game. It was a lot more physical. There was a rule that, you know, one of the first things I remember Richie ever saying was if you want to be a scorer, you have to be able to take punishment because the shooter goes down and It was pretty much, if you took, if it was like two seconds after the shot and when the hit happened, that would be considered a late hit. You know, when I say, when I say, yeah, when I say two seconds, I mean, 1,001, 1,002. So we were all taught, you know, to shoot and move. And we were also taught when he shoots, you put him down. So, you know, you have to be willing to pay the price if you want to score. Hence, now, if you do that, the police are called. Exactly. And the, yeah, police, the, the Hague. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody, um, everybody. Lawyers. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, you know, the unfortunate thing, because I hear this as a coach, I hear the stands. And anytime there's a hard hit, it can be the most beautiful, perfectly executed hit they're all screaming for, for, you know, the hitter's head on a, on a pike. It's like, he just, that, he just did his job exceptionally well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and even I, I
0: remember I was coaching a youth, a youth team. And, and I said to my kids, we were playing thousand Oaks at the time. And I said, Hey, you know, you gotta be physical with the guys. You gotta be physical with the shooters. And one of the representatives from our league came over to us and said, hey, the parents are complaining. You're telling the kids to be aggressive. Well, yeah. It's
1: almost like they don't want contact anymore. No, they don't. And, you know, I think every kid would be a much better adult if in their high school lifetime they didn't get accepted to join a club, they didn't – they got cut from a team, they – You know, um, they didn't get invited to a party. This, I think that is how you build character. You know, they got broke. They got dumped by their, you know, paramour. All those things are life lessons that we're trying to protect kids from get, from learning. And then they're ill-equipped to handle it when they're an adult. Yeah, like get fired from a job. What do I do? Like getting fired from a job. You know, I I got fired several times in my life from various jobs, you know, and I, one time I it was just a personality conflict. I was a uh, front of the house in a restaurant and the chef and I didn't get along. Well, you can replace me a lot easier than you can replace a chef.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah. I, I got that one.
0: That happens. Yep. Are, why are players more athletic today? Do you think? I don't think, do they you think they are.
1: I don't think they are. Okay. Uh, I think, I think there's more kids playing. So bigger, faster, stronger kids are participa- are, are participating. Of course, they're going to thrive. Uh, but th- I couldn't believe, I mean, this is just when I went to Cornell, uh, you know, in the off season, we would go down to the gym on Saturdays and we got next on a basketball court. And I never played basketball in high school. Okay. You know, shoot around in my driveway is about it. I was terrible. And we would get the floor and we wouldn't keep it for two and a half hours before we were done for the day. Because we were, they were just such great athletes. These kids, These guys I played with were phenomenal athletes. And apparently I wasn't too bad either because I was valuable on the basketball court, even though I didn't, you know, I couldn't shoot.
0: So do you think that now like I and this is one of my pet peeves, the you played football, you played lacrosse, you played baseball, you played basketball. Do we try and focus kids on the one sport too much? Or what are, what is your opinion about that?
1: Well, I think California in particular is is victim a victim of that because of their climate. Um, now the other thing is coaches don't get paid anything at the high school level. So they have to create, in order to coach, they have to earn a living. So they create these out of season club businesses, which is where their bread is buttered. And now they're encouraging all their kids to play year round.
0: Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that, but I understand it because there is a lot, whether it's club lacrosse or club soccer or AAU basketball or whatever it is, or personal training, there's, there's a lot of money out there and people will pay it.
1: And people will pay it. And everybody thinks their kid's going to get recruited to go play for a national champion. And it's just, you might as well buy a lottery. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're you're not going to win that either. You know, but you know, the other thing is let's face it. And we're all guilty of this to some extent. Everybody's kid is the chosen one, you know. And and to, so many parents are unable to understand that that just isn't true. But everybody can be great at something. Just because you you know you want to be a great lacrosse player doesn't mean you're going to right. be. I I a saying I don't say it to the kids, but I say it to my to my assistant coach often. You can't put in what God left out. Yeah, that yeah, you can't teach DNA. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan, not yes, his work ethic was incredible. Yes. His dedication to, you know, to the little to the little details. You know, Larry Bird the same, but you know, Larry Bird was 6-9. If he was 6-2, would would we be mentioning his name today? Larry Probably not. Yeah, exactly. And Michael Jordan was what was he six eight six 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 six. Yeah, but you know, unbelievable gifts plus the work ethic. Yeah, Larry Bird had gifts plus the work ethic. You know, all the, you don't get to be great just by being gifted, and you don't get to be great just by working hard. You can, but you can always be better by working hard
0: by working and working smart. Are you throwing on a wall, or you do you have one of those? you know, the, the, the nets, the throwbacks, are you working your offhand? Are you doing the things that you need to do to get better? And if you're not, it shows up. It does.
1: Oh, you know, it's, I always liken it to music and teaching a musical instrument. And this, this is what people don't really understand about lacrosse. That if you picked up a violin once a week, would you think you could try out for the orchestra? Depends on how good or bad the orchestra is. Well, that's true. But let's, no. you know, yeah. Yeah. So there are, there are you know, if you didn't know how to swim, would you try out for the swim team? Not without my floaties. <laughs> exactly. But everybody, you know, and, and look, there are kids. And I've seen them. I've, I've had them over the years. Never played the game in their lives. Pick up a stick. And within two weeks, they're throwing, catching, and cradling pretty damn pretty damn well
0: yeah
1: uh and then i've had kids that have been playing for four years and they can't even get their stick near the ball when you throw it to
0: them it's allergic to it
1: yeah yeah you know so go ahead well i mean it's just like you know me as you know i learned very early on i'm not gonna be a singer and everybody that heard you sing told you that too right Everyone. I actually I had a friend of mine who uh, when I was working on the TV show, I had a friend of mine who had been a professional singer and a pop star in Britain in the 60s. And he used to open for the Beatles. Okay, Um, And he still has a cult following. uh, But I was walking from my from the parking lot to our stage one day and I was singing to myself and i didn't know he was behind me and also i hear my name and he says you really need to stop that <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, That's awesome.
0: yeah hey, you know obviously the game has changed and and the game has migrated out west years ago nobody recruited anybody out i don't know i guess east of johns or west of johns hopkins you know, I think Bill Tierney going to Denver, Notre Dame having a program, I think that kind of opened up the the nation for Lacrosse. Now kids out here are getting recruited. You see kids going to Yale, Syracuse. I mean, Jimmy Fasher's kid, you know, the friend of ours is playing at Maryland. I believe Dan Moeller's son is is playing at um at at St. John's. Is is that just because it, it was kind of one of those untapped markets where wow look at all the talent out here
1: i absolutely think that's the case uh you know logan solberg just graduated from crespi he's running second midfield for yale for yale i saw that yeah and uh, i talked to him the other day and uh he's so thrilled and excited uh you know tyler bradbury's in utah you know and he's getting on the field some but uh You know, I think he's got – it's tough as a freshman. And that's why what Logan did is so important. Well, and look at the kid from San Diego with with, um, Maryland. Uh, What the heck's his name? He played – oh, I think he played for – Corona. yeah, he played for Corona. Okay. Coronado. Coronado. And uh, now I'm drawing a blank. Anthony DeMeo. Anthony DeMeo. And he scores every game for Maryland. And he's been doing it for three years. And it's
0: great that it's, come, it's now coming out here. And now we see it. The youth leagues have exploded. High schools now, I know that up where I am, we have four high schools that now have teams. And the CIF is now recognizing it as, as a championship
1: sport. How cool is it now that the CIF has a lacrosse championship? Well, I'm actually on the CIF advisory committee. And uh, I think, I mean, I think it's great because it's out of our hands as coaches as to, you know, it's look at the March Madness. There's always these teams that are, that are complaining about not being 64th, 65th, 66th in in the seedings. We got, we got reamed, we got screwed. Well, when have you seen a 64 seed win the national championship? Never. Exactly. Yeah, and I get it. At the NCAA level, there's money involved for the school just by making the tournament. But you know, we, we we for the last ten, fifteen years, we as coaches have been meeting at the end of the season, and we would seed our playoff field based on debate, you know, argument and opinion, and Orange County would seed theirs. They had a different process. Theirs was more mathematical, but I I don't see I'm old. This is where I am old school. I don't believe that metrics and analytics can tell you everything you need to know about sports. Uh, You know, I think I think what you can't see almost matters more than what you what you can't see or measure almost matters more than what you can see and measure uh so you know you can talk about you know all all the things you can measure but what's inside a kid's heart what's in between his ears that to me is what makes uh for a champion and you don't have to win a championship to be a champion you know we're a small school we have a small team you know we we lost a foothill last year but we we were it was a close game and we were up four nothing in the first quarter and we played with those guys. And, you know, for a school like us, like Oak Park, which has, I think, 1,250 students to compete with a powerhouse like Foothill, that, that means a lot. That means an awful lot.
0: Yeah. How bright is the future for this sport
1: in California? Well, I think, I think it's, it's very bright for several reasons. And one is the girls uh, because of title nine and lacrosse is the easiest sport for a school to, to promote for girls lacrosse. And, th- you know, for those that are listening, that may not know this, the girls, girls play by an entirely different set of rules. Oh, I don't understand it at all. Uh, you know, they don't wear helmets or gloves. They They're now starting to wear goggles or like, or or face masks face masks and you know i think again you mentioned it earlier the more pads we put on guess what yeah it's gonna become more physical and you're inviting it and you know yeah i i get it nobody wants a broken nose uh or or but uh i I think the the rules the way the game was played I think they're gonna do a disservice to the women's game by and, and i i firmly believe this in ten to fifteen years both male men and women will be playing the same rules that's crazy that's crazy yeah I mean they might do it like hockey where i no. think in i think in women's hockey the the body checking is limited okay. Uh, but, you know, the women's hockey, they're wearing the same equipment that the men are wearing. Yeah. I I've, I
0: don't understand the girls' game. I would like to understand it more. Um, I'm still a huge fan of the boys' game, as, as I know you are, and I I think it's great that this sport is growing. More kids are playing it. Uh, more kids are having fun
1: doing it, and, and you see it as well as I do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I do... And again, back to the violin, you know, musician analogy, you know, learn your instrument. And I think the time to learn your instrument is when you're five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, and then start playing. You, you, know, you think- work on your fundamentals, you work
0: on the basics, and then you get right. into, and that gets it Tark. That's a whole other area where I see these youth teams all they do is give the best athlete the ball and he goes one on everybody. It's, nobody can throw. Nobody can catch. There's no fundamentals. And and I think if we get into the youth better and do a better job of teaching the fundamentals, I think I think California can be probably one of the best states for, for
1: lacrosse. Oh, the, the climate is designed for lacrosse. Yeah. I mean, they, I, you know, I've refed for 20, 25 years now in California. And... There's no way I would ref on the East Coast. No,
0: <laughs> because no, I
1: need a snowmobile
0: to get up and down
1: the field. The weather is just atrocious for lacrosse, and yet it thrives on the East Coast, which also yeah. is a testament to what a great game it is. Oh, and, people want to play it. Yeah, and uh, I'm you know I never wore sweatpants my entire career in college, and I played you know the, New York, up in the tundra there. Well, yeah, uh, but. When I was a freshman, sitting on the bench, yeah, I wore the sweats. Yeah, <laughs> <And> the <jackets.
0: laughs> hey, listen, before I let you go, because I've I've got a group of kids coming in here. It's early here in, in Southern California. I want to ask you five silly questions, and you just give me the first answer that comes to your mind.
1: Okay, I'm but I'm going to censor my language.
0: Yeah, okay. the dumbest thing you ever did as a kid that that was
1: legal. The dumbest thing? Yeah. Uh, sitting on the back of a car out in front of my, my parents' house, uh, without anybody being aware of that. And the guy peeled out. That's not good. What was your high school car? My high school car was a 1974 twice handed down Audi Fox.
0: Your favorite movie of all time.
1: Oh, gosh. That's so hard because there's so many, you know, I love.
0: Favorite sports uh,
1: movie. Favorite sports movie. Let's narrow it down. Mm, Hoosiers? Okay. Your favorite
0: ethnic food from your Lithuanian Turk heritage. Zero. Oh, <laughs> wait,
1: no. Potato latkes. Potato latkes from Lithuania.
0: All right. Now, I know you are a big Patriots fan. Oh, I yeah. am not. Who no, do you most, who do you give most of the credit to for their success, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick?
1: Well, that's that's uh, I mean that's just too easy a question. I'm a coach. What do you think I'm going to pick? Okay. <laughs> 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 we'll 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 go with Belichick. <laughs> well,
0: listen, man, I I know you're on the East Coast. I thank you for taking the time to do this. Um, it's it's always good to catch up and 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 even though we didn't talk about our old playing days
1: uh no, we don't want to bore the audience
0: no we don't we we should get together and 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 tip back a cold one or something and just and and reminisce that sounds like a plan i would all right. Okay you, you be safe out there and take care of your family man i'll i'll talk right. to you soon
1: thanks brother bye
0: bye right, thanks so much if you like the show please subscribe we are on all of the Uh, apps out there, Stitcher, Luminary, Spotify. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you've got any suggestions, hit me up via Twitter at Tony Moskal or via email at TonyMoskal at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Believe.